It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Opponents and rivals right now in a Know the Foe segment on Cougar Sports with Ben Credle. Welcome back, Cougar Sports, ESPN 960. This is Cougar Country. I'm Ben Criddle, broadcasting live from our Les Schwab Tire Studios, leschwab.com. Save $150 right now on select tires only at leschwab, leschwab.com. Going to get to know the foe in this segment, a BYU versus Kansas, a big opportunity for BYU. Hopefully uh, they can uh, shock the world at Fog Allen. We'll see what happens. But we've got to get to know the foe. What are the strengths and weaknesses of this BYU uh, men's basketball team? What are the strengths and weaknesses of this Kansas basketball team right now? Uh, let's get to know the foe in this segment, and it's going to be brought to you by Primo Golf Apparel, primogolfapparel.com. Choose Primo Golf Apparel for the best joggers in the business they also have a traditional pant that just dropped last week you got to check it out multiple colors and uh, definitely customizable sizes primo golf apparel utilize that espn 960 coupon code for 15 percent off your order let's get out to the about town public grove hotline welcome in henry greenstein of kusports.com to get to know the phone a little bit better henry how you living thanks for joining us I'm great. It's a pleasure to be here, and yeah, looking forward to the game tomorrow night. Uh, Always nice to have a novel opponent come to Allen Fieldhouse, and BYU is certainly that. Yes, indeed. Very excited about this opportunity, an iconic uh, setting, and uh, and, and a big game. Unfortunately, BYU didn't do their part of the job, and they lost to Kansas State on the road, but most teams losing on the road in Big 12 play, everyone under 500, minus Houston, but... uh, it could have been a top 25 matchup. Uh, two teams uh, that are playing great basketball still. Uh, but uh, give us a little breakdown of Kansas basketball this season. What have been the ups and downs of the season from your perspective? Yeah, it's been a really strange one. And, in fact, this is my first season on the beat. But for, by all accounts, it's been an extremely strange one. I mean, it's a team that came in preseason number one, and as soon as it got to the gate and conference, just immediately stumbled a second game in with a loss at UCF, lost at West Virginia, lost at Iowa State in a game they played pretty well. It, it, it's really been a game where they've struggled on the road, but Allen Fieldhouse has been its usual reliable self. Um, they've been extremely thin, just nine scholarship players available to play. And right now that number is down to eight with Kevin McCuller Jr., who probably one of the best all-around players in the country, dealing with a bone bruise to his knee that limited his action. So that has pressed some members of that kind of much maligned bench into increased action and create additional intrigue in that respect. And it's a team that 
expect to win the Big 12 title every season, and right now they are only the most distant of long shots because Houston and Iowa State would really need to slip up for that to happen. And, of course, with the unbalanced schedule, KU doesn't get another chance at Iowa State after losing them losing them at uh, Hilton Coliseum. So it's been a, an up-and-down season, one with much more downs than you would usually see from a Bill Self-Coach Kansas team. Yeah, Henry, I, I wanted to say on that injury report a little bit because I'm not sure BYU fans recognize, I mean, probably for pretty good reason, right? But I'm not sure um, how big of a change BYU fans recognize this loss of Kevin McCuller for at least a couple of games is to this Kansas State to the to this Kansas team, excuse me, I almost made Matt's mistake. I apologize. Um, but can you can you just kind of walk us through like how different is this KU squad with Kevin McCuller versus without him? Because he only averages around five points per game, but it feels like they play different without him. If that makes sense. Actually, Kevin McCuller is pretty high in the conference scoring hierarchy. I think he's up at nineteen or so. He's got something like five or six rebounds and four assists per game. He's he's kind of the guy they, they rely on uh, at an end-of-the-shot-clock situation. Um, he's one of their best three-point shooters. And this was not always the case for Kevin McCuller. In his previous portion of his career at Texas Tech and even last season at Kansas, he was a bit of a peripheral piece. He was uh, a more defensively inclined wing. But um, this year he really took it upon himself to try to make that kind of Ochai Abaji or Jalen Wilson-like leap to really become the leader and become more confident and aggressive. And we saw that working out incredibly well for him uh, in non-conference play. I mean, at one point, he had back-to-back triple-doubles, uh, one of them against Kentucky, uh, and the next one against Division II Chaminade in the Maui Invitational. So uh, he was excelling for quite a while, but ever since he started dealing with this bone bruise, which we first heard about from Bill Self. About a month ago, I think it was January 22nd when they played Cincinnati, now at Bill's house. Ever since that game, uh, McCuller's been a lot more inefficient when he's shot from the field. Right. Uh, it's brought down his numbers quite a bit. And even when he, uh, and that's just when he has played, because now this is about to be the fifth time in eight games that KU will be playing without McCuller. So certainly a, a piece they would like to have as they defend BU's perimeter players uh, that they will be missing. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things right now. Is as you look at the Jayhawks' journey this season, you're wondering what is it that they they they're changing down the stretch? Are they playing their best basketball in late February? Yes or no? Why or why not? Um, to me, it feels like to some extent they are. That they had one outlier, which was a massive loss at Texas Tech, where they lost by 29 points, but. From what I've heard, I mean, it's usually one of these games you can count on KU playing every year. You know, they got obliterated by TCU at Allen Fieldhouse last year. So if if you write that one off, they've been playing pretty well. I mean, they took down Baylor without McCuller. They beat Texas by 19 without McCuller. Uh, They beat Houston by 13. That was the one game McCuller played after he was ruled out of an Oklahoma State game. So... Yeah, I think they're definitely on the upswing, and part of that is because that bench that I mentioned uh, has been getting more consistent. Uh, they've been making fewer mental errors, uh, more substantive contributions on the offensive end, and most prominently Nick Timberlake, who is a six-year senior Towson transfer who was kind of brought in 
in the offseason to be the outside scoring option for this team who got a, just got off to a really dreadful first couple months of the season and was pretty down on the bench. Has, has seven in the starting lineup with McCuller absent, and he's kind of revitalized the season a little bit with some, some highlight reel performances. So I think the bench's recent uptick, if they can continue it, will put the team in a great position headed into the postseason. I don't know if you've had access to the coaching staff this week, if there was a press conference in which Bill Self and his coaching staff and maybe the players could discuss from a scouting report what they've seen from BYU. If so, could you tell us, give us a little bit of insight into what Kansas is, is how they view this BYU basketball team this season? Yeah, so we just got to speak to Bill Self and Nick Timberlake about two and a half hours ago. And, uh, I mean, obviously the first thing that jumps out and the thing that a lot of the questions about BYU were about uh, was a three-point shooting. Um, it forms a pretty striking contrast. And, and Bill Self said this, you know, KU went three for eight in the Texas game from beyond the arc, and that was a game they played extremely well. They scored 86 points. But if you go three for eight and BYU goes 13 of 30-something, then suddenly you're, you're – 30 points down in terms of what you've gotten from the field out of three. So, I mean, KU is one of the best two-point shooting teams in the country, but they really, in part because Timberlake took so long to get going, and in part because freshman Johnny Furphy wasn't in the starting lineup for a while, they just haven't had the volume or the success rate from threes to get into a track meet. Um, so I think certainly they'll, they'll be running guys off the line and whatnot. Um, Another thing that I asked myself about was the kind of contrast in styles between when Khalifa is in the game and when Traore is in the game. Um, and he sort of said that, you know, they'll have to approach the different lineups differently in terms of how they switch, how they deal with ball screens. And that's personally one of the things that intrigues me most about BYU is those contrasting play styles. I mean, Khalifa is a really interesting player to begin with, but when you also have Traore uh, as an option, as more of a bruiser, that adds a different dimension to a team that doesn't go inside quite as much. So, yeah, I, I think that's one of the main things to keep an eye on. And then also just, you know, without McCuller, who steps up and plays the best defense on, you know, guys like Spencer Johnson and Hall and all those sorts of people. Yeah, it's always, you know, it's always intriguing to me to see how these uh, opposing teams are playing Ali Khalifa. I feel like there's a part of me that feels like in the last three games – that teams are figuring out how to defend him, at least initially until the adjustments are made. BYU has gone down in the first five minutes of the last three games to start the to start the game. Uh, I don't know if if Bill Self or anybody of the or the any other any of the other coaches mentioned that, but it seems like BYU is struggling to start games. I don't know if you've been able to watch this BYU basketball team at all this season, but give me your perspective on on BYU basketball and uh, maybe the, the perception of BYU basketball in the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, certainly uh, having the new influx of teams has has provided new challenges for all sorts of coaches. I think Bill Self said earlier in the season, you know, we kind of knew that Houston was going to be this great, but I don't think we anticipated how much BYU would give right away, how much Cincinnati would give right away. And even UCF, which has gotten some – notable upset victories, including, of course, against Kansas. And um, I think his, his praise of BYU in that respect has proven to be quite justified. Um, the team that was picked second to last in the 
Big 12 that's sitting at 500 in conference play right now. So that's certainly part of it. But as far as what you said about starting out game slow, um, that's something that they're definitely going to need to get fixed in a hurry because if you go down early and Allen and the crowd gets into it, that can get pretty ugly for you. I mean, KU was in a close game with Texas. It was 16-15 to 15 early in the first half, and then the Jayhawks went on a 12 nothing run, and Texas was basically out of it for the entire game. So if you don't prove early on in the game in Allen Fieldhouse that you were game and willing to trade blows and whatnot, it's not going to go well for you. Um, so I guess, yeah, BYU's got to come out with energy from the opening whistle, probably make some big shots early on. And as for my own personal impressions, you know, I, I watched basically that whole Baylor-BYU game. I was really impressed with the shooting, just about how everyone can do it, and also the guards' ability to get their own rebound. Um, that's something that stands out to me. You know, BYU, I believe, is number two in the conference in rebounding right behind Cincinnati, but they don't have anyone who's averaging more than six rebounds as an individual, um, which is really impressive. Um, and that could present problems for KU. One guy that I would imagine will receive a lot of attention in the lead-up to this matchup is K.J. Adams, who is a, a, a big physical player, but he's been playing out on the perimeter more because of Hunter Dickinson. And so when he gets matched up against these guards, he can do, he has the athleticism to keep up with them. And on the offensive end, will likely be able to post up on them to some extent, but he's also not much of a defensive rebounder. So that'll be a challenge for him. Uh, dealing with the rebounding that some of those guys are able to provide for BYU. Henry, you transitioned almost perfectly into uh, kind of my, ne- my next question, which we've been talking on the show a little bit about the immense home court advantages that is the Big 12 right now. Just about everybody in the league is sub-500 away from their home venue, except for Houston, who's only 4-3, and three, by the way. The number one team in the country is 4-3 and three away from the Fertitta Center in conference play. Is, is Kansas is the, like this Kansas team has been maybe more mortal than previous years. I think a lot of people are saying they're only two and five mm-hmm. away from home, but seven and zero at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Is that just a matter of the, you know, the historic, the, the historicity, I guess, if you will, one of the most iconic venues in all of college basketball? Um, or, or is there maybe something a little bit more to this team being a little bit kind of Jekyll and Hyde at home versus on the road? Well, that was the big question of uh, mid-January through mid-February, so I'm not totally sure. I mean, yeah, certainly as you described it, the the atmosphere at Allen Fieldhouse, at least from what I've seen, is pretty much unparalleled. Uh, There's always going to be 16,300 in there. Um, I think self-remarked after a recent game, I believe it was the the Baylor win, that you know the fans know sometimes they need to provide a little bit extra in cases where the other team – uh, can potentially walk out of there with a win, and I think the fans have done that in important moments this year, such as against the UConn in December, as well as the Houston game I mentioned, and then Baylor, which was college game day and one of the first games they had in the color out. So that, I mean, obviously that, that advantage is massive, but as you said, everyone in the Big 12 has struggled on the road. Right. Um, in, in Kansas's case, I think the games where they've been on the road and have underwhelmed have largely been due to defending the threes poorly. Um, That's what happened at West Virginia. I believe West Virginia was like 12 of 21. And, you know, it is a cliche in the KU social media sphere that someone who usually doesn't shoot threes well will always go off against Kansas. And I I think the cliche is a little bit 
tired at this point, especially because it's hard to identify how much of that is luck and how much of it is KU not defending the three very well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's been invoked quite frequently. Like, in the Iowa State game, Trey King, who had barely had any threes all year, I think made three or four of them, I think four. Uh, and, of course, the game Iowa State ends up winning by five points. And then Keyshawn Gilbert, who was shooting like 29%, makes a contested one as the dagger. So um, it's hard to say how much of that is KU's fault and how much of it uh, is luck. But that has been a common thread in their road losses. But at home, that, that rarely seems to come up for whatever reason. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, last question for me because I did want to get uh, one, one more scouting report from you. But it's not a basketball scouting report, so be prepared because because of that sort of famed allure of Fog Allen Field House, the fog. I think the the locals call it right, the fog. Um, because of all mm-hmm. that, I I gotta imagine there are gonna be several BYU fans to try to make the pilgrimage this year to the birthplace of of uh, not just college basketball but basketball in a lot of ways, I guess, right? Uh, with Dr. Naismith and everything. So give us a scouting report of Lawrence. Where do BYU fans that are traveling to this game, where do they need to go beforehand? Is there like a like a local a local spot they need to grab a burger at or like a a particular drink? Most BYU fans probably aren't going to imbibe in alcohol, but maybe there's like a like a special <laughs> soda concoction or something there. I don't know, a dessert shop. Uh, BYU fans do love their desserts. Like, what? Give us a little bit of a Lawrence scattering report and where they need to go either right before or right after the game. Well, I'll give you the obvious and broad answer, which is you got to go to Mass Street. Um, Massachusetts Street, full name, the main street of Lawrence. That's pretty much everything you could ask for. I mean, there are numerous lovely restaurants there. Uh, Encore Bistro, 715 Italian Place. Um, gosh, what else? The Burger Stand. Um, just and and all sorts of eclectic stores and it's kind of the archetypal stretch of where you'd want to go in a college town. Um, I, I have confidence that whatever you're looking for, you can pretty much find it there. Now it's a little bit tough to walk from there to the field house, but everything is close enough in Warren that you can get around fairly quickly. And I have a feeling that uh, that's where vast majority of BYU fans who come to Lawrence will be spending their time. And I, I think uh, plenty probably had good experiences there when the football team came here too. So, yeah, um, that's my very broad but hopefully helpful recommendation. Appreciate that, Henry. Henry, what's the best way to support you, what you do for all of our listeners? Well, uh, most importantly, uh, read KUSports.com, read the Lawrence Journal World. You can follow me on Twitter at Henry Greenstein at uh, I'm the sports editor, so I, I, I try to take a lot of pride in, in providing the best KU and local coverage uh, around for our readers. So uh, if you're interested in that, even if you're a BYU fan, check it out. Love it. I appreciate that, Henry. Thanks for hopping on today. We'll see you there at, uh, at Allen Fieldhouse in about 24 hours. All It'll right. be a great one. Thanks so much. Thank you very much for having me. There you go, Henry Greenstein, ladies and gentlemen. We'll go to break. Coming up next. Over the weekend, I had a friend reach out to me just because on the show over the last, I want to say, five or six years, I've been a vocal proponent of BYU recruiting Muslim players. You know, the, the faith of Islam, I think, is a, is a faith that, that, that has a ton of, of commonalities between 
Mormonism or Latter-day Saintdom. And so Coach Kamala Maud has been one of the individuals that I've always leaned on to discuss this, and he's been a vocal advocate for uh, Muslim athletes coming to BYU. He feels like it's the best place for them, that they can uh, they can feel comfortable. Uh, it's, a, it's a place where value systems are shared and even faith-based principles are shared. And so I was asked a question about Ramadan, which is a is is coming. It's in it's in March, early March, and, and fasting involved. And I was like, wait a second, like, yeah, this is uh, an intriguing March, March thing, 10th right? April 9th, it's coming. It's upon us. Yeah, and and I know it depends on on certain elements, on on moon sighting and other things. But but I'm going to welcome in Kamala Maud, who was a Golden Gloves boxer player, played a, a played a, at multiple colleges, played college football, also was coaching at Weber State. He's uh, an administrator within, uh, he's been, a, I think, a principal here in the state of Utah. He's since moved, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, he may be out in Kansas right now. So Coach Kamala Mott's going to join us next. How does a student athlete who repre- represents the Muslim faith navigate Ramadan in a during March Madness? You have your Big 12 conference tournament coming up, and then you have March Madness. It's tough when you're fasting, whether it's, uh, you know, food, water. He's going to delve into that and tell us a little bit more about Ramadan educational segment with Coach Kamal Ahmad. Coming up next, this is Cougar Sports on ESPN 960. Ready to become a master of the minutiae surrounding Cougar athletics? Well, you've come to the right place. This is Cougar Sports with Ben Krennel right here on ESPN 960. Welcome back, Cougar Sports, ESPN 960. This is Cougar Country. I'm Ed Pirtle broadcasting live from our Les Schwab Tire Studio. Save $150 right now on select tires only at Les Schwab, LesSchwab.com. It is time to talk some college hoops, get an interesting, some, some unique insight into some of the players that are at Brigham Young University, namely Fus Traore and Ali Khalifa and Atiki Ali Atiki. There's three Muslim basketball players right now on the squad so very excited to discuss this with uh, an individual that has been a vocal proponent of muslim athletes coming to brigham young university now you have multiple in the on the roster for basketball and even multiple on the football team as if i if i'm not mistaken so uh, this segment going to be brought to you by dental pros of utah dentalprosofutah.com if you've been told you need a filling a crown a root canal get a second opinion at dental pros of utah they utilize biomimetic techniques these are minimally invasive techniques to rebuild your teeth layer by layer so you don't have to settle for fake teeth later on in life. Choose Dental Pros, dentalprosofutah.com. All right, on the line, you've heard him before on the show. I've had him on over the years to discuss local football, recruiting, um, Muslim athletes coming to the great state of Utah. He's a former Division One football player himself, played at the University of Kentucky. He also coached and was the assistant offensive line coach at Weber State not too long ago. Now he's an educator. He's been a principal here in the state of Utah. Now he's elsewhere. I believe he's back in Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken. Let's welcome in Coach Kamal Ahmad to the show. What's up, Coach? Coach, do you got me? Hey, can you hear me? I got you now, brother. I got you. I appreciate oh, you hopping oh, on, man. That. Sorry. How's everything going? Oh, it's going great, man. It's uh, it's starting to warm up here in Utah. Spring balls are right around the corner, and we're getting ready for March Madness. Uh, this is some of the best times of the year, my friend. Give us an update on you. Where are you at right now? Awesome. 
Yeah, yeah. So I was, I was in, I was in Oklahoma, actually. Now in Kentucky. So. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, just so my wife's from here and, uh, you know, I went to college here. Love the city. Just need to be back. But I, I will tell you one thing. I greatly miss Utah and I miss the people of Utah. Like, greatly. Well, we miss you too, man. Just to kind of give, I, I mean, I gave a brief synopsis of your career um, but if I miss something, you, you got to correct me on that. So can you, just to kind of give the fans a little bit of background of who you are, where you come from, give us a, a little bit more about where you've been, what you've done in your career. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So born and raised in Oklahoma City, uh, grew up a diehard Oklahoma fan. My cousin and uncle, my cousin played and uncle both played basketball for University of Oklahoma, so I went to all the games growing up. Uh, played at Northeastern Oklahoma and A&M Junior College. Then from there, got a scholarship to University of Kentucky. So at the University of Kentucky, uh, Ron McBride was my position coach. Uh, he was my linebackers. He was the linebackers coach there. And, um, he was amazing. And we just grew a tight bond. It always, you know, he'd have me over for dinner. We'd always chop it up in the, just, you know, just long talks, man, and his office, man, and the meeting rooms, and just grew a tight bond. And he got a when he got the Weber State job, I was actually boxing in uh, Kentucky, and just you know looking for an opportunity to continue boxing while getting into football. And he was like, "Man, I got the perfect spot for you, Weber State, man. You can come and coach and box all you want, man." And <laughs> I said, "Man, Coach Mac, I'm on the next flight there, man." And so we're actually roommates for two years at Weber State, uh, Coach Mac and myself. So. Um, he had a spot up there, and we it was me and him for the most part for the two years, uh, uh, for two years before I moved out. And um, yeah, so I was an assistant. Uh, I was just a uh, I was a volunteer coach actually there for for graduate assistant slash volunteer coach for a year and a half. Uh, then Mac brought me on the staff. I was an assistant coach. Then worked my way up to recruiting coordinator and director of football operations. Uh, then when Coach Mack retired, that's when I got out of coaching. Uh, I didn't plan on it. That's just the way it worked out. So I, uh, when he retired, I was just uh, at a local high school where the former offensive line coach Alex Gerke used to he used to work at the U as well. He was the head football coach at Granger. He was like, "Man, I think you'll love it with these kids, man." And I'm like, "Yeah, right, man. It's high school football, man. I'm a college football coach." And <laughs> I went there and fell in love with the man. And I was like, "Man, how, how how can I be in this position every day?" So I uh, got certified as a teacher, um, and uh, eventually went the admin route and coached man forever in the high school, middle school, and just man up. So then um, family conditions. Uh, I had to move to uh, Kentucky, and um, so it's it's been great here it, with a little small pit stop in Oklahoma. So, well, I appreciate you going into that as a as a teacher, as an educator, as a coach. It's what you've been doing for a long time, and and also you've hopped onto our show, and we've discussed 
all manner of topics, but one of the topics that we've also discussed, because I've always leaned on your expertise, having you, you've, been, you've been raised, born and raised of, of, within the Islamic faith, the, you're a Muslim and practicing Muslim, and one of the things we've talked about consistently is that BYU is a really good place for these Muslim athletes. We're seeing more and more come to BYU and having success, which I am, I, I'm, I'm elated for for that fact. And and uh, over the weekend, I I pinged you, I texted you because I had a friend reach out to me and ask, Hey Ben, what do Muslim athletes do during Ramadan? We're we're on the precipice of Big Twelve conference tournament play in March Madness, they're going to be fasting? Like, how are they going to be able to perform if they're fasting? So can you give us a little perspective on this? You've gone through this as an athlete. Uh, what is Ramadan, and then how, to, how do you navigate it as a, as, a, as a superior athlete at Division I level? Man, those, that just beautiful questions, man. So, I, so just to put it into context, so I went Ramadan – so Islam is based on a uh, lunar calendar. So Ramadan is about, it goes up about 10 days approximately, maybe a little more every year. So um, when I was in college, it was during football season. So I was playing football and fasting, and here's what I will tell you. Um, that was the best football I ever played in my life. Just focused, just so focused. I mean, you're zeroed in on what it is that you have to do because, I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. But for me, it, it was the best time because I, I knew, I, I knew, you know, there were no water breaks. I knew there were no uh, food breaks if I got hungry, anything like that. Like, like with my peers, so. I, I don't know how to explain it other than that you just even dialed in more because you believe you're doing it for a bigger cause. You believe, or for us, this is one of the five pillars of Islam, fasting during the month of uh, Ramadan. It's one of the five pillars for Muslim. It's, it's our core, I mean, it's our core faith. So we, one of the core beliefs of our faith. So there's no compromise with it. I mean, if something takes us away from that, you know, you like, bye. You know what I mean? Like, to whatever that is. So it, so when we love something, we make it a bigger priority to to do whatever's necessary to continue doing what we love while we put our Creator first, while we put God first, but do whatever we can to the maximum extent to be the best we can at doing what we love, which, you know, for your athletes, it's basketball. For me, that was football. And, like, I came alive to one, man. He played great. But, uh, yeah. Like, great, great, great basketball. Um and it's it's uh it's a fun time. In all honesty, it's it's just something you won't forget. And uh, I just wish those players the best. And I tell you what, I'm I'm going for BYU. Like I love the fact I love what they're doing. Um, you know I'm a big uh, so I'm 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 a basketball fan now. BYU. You know I'm a diehard Coastal Kentucky fan of football. Like sure. I, I just love him from what I've seen of him as a person. I love what he's doing on the football field. So. Man, I, I just I love BYU, man, and I love the fact that they're bringing in Muslim athletes. You you know my position is the best college for Muslim athletes. I just believe they just need to go there. I think there just needs to be a you know pipeline, which I think is happening. I mean, it's it's in, in my in my opinion, especially for basketball. So I, I think it's awesome. 
Coach, I, I had a chance to talk to one of BYU's Muslim student-athletes, uh, Mori Bamba from the football team, last year during Ramadan while he was fasting, and he, he kind of explained a little bit of it to me of, about how it's, it's, a, it's a different experience. Obviously, this is during spring football, so he was not competing and whatnot like you were back in your days when Ramadan fell in the fall, right? Um, but he did, he did kind of explain to me how it, it – did also require him to maybe prepare a little bit differently for spring practices in some ways. Can you maybe give a little bit of an insight into like how division one athletes prepare for whatever it is, whether it's spring football competing um, on the basketball court, on the volleyball court, there are Muslim volleyball players even uh, across the country. Like how do you kind of prepare as an athlete during Ramadan? Cause obviously fasting, abstaining from food and water is, is, is difficult while engaged in a high-conditioned exercise like Division One athletics. So what what do you kind of do to, to, to get ready for that, I guess? Yeah, that, that's, that's, man, that's an awesome question. So you get ready by preparation. And by preparation, I mean, like my son, he, he'll fast half a day on his own sometimes. He started that at 7, just on his own, without anyone telling him. In fact, we had to make him. We have to make him, like, eat and not fast. Like, you just want to do it when you're young. I started when I was 12. And, and so, I, for me, it was normal. I was playing in basketball tournaments, wrestling tournaments, uh, while fasting. I mean, since 12. So, it's when you do it from a young standpoint, it just becomes easy for you. But there's multiple layers to that. Um, one, it's a common practice considered a very virtuous practice to not just fast during Ramadan, but every Monday and Thursday of the year. Every single Monday and Thursday, because we believe this is when God sends, uh, when, when, when one's good deeds are sent up to God. Like, it's, it's one of the times. Not the only time, but one of the times. So, we believe the best time to do that is, it's best to fast on those days when your good deeds are presented to God. So, Mondays and Thursdays, part of that time, uh, from our belief. Uh, also, the middle of each month, 13th, 14th, and 15th, highly encouraged to fast. Uh, the month of Shabban, which is the month before Ramadan, you're highly encouraged to fast as much as possible throughout that month. Not the whole month, but as much as possible as preparation. So you're prepping yourself for, Ram- for uh, Ramadan. And saying that, you wake up before the sunrise, before our first prayer. Usually you want to wake up about an hour, half an hour to an hour before you eat. Um, many people will make special supplications, special prayers. Uh, it's just a powerful time to do that. And so you're, 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 you're eating what, what's necessary to carry you through the day. And to be very upfront, you don't have a big appetite because your stomach shrinks, uh, as the month goes along. Sure. So the main thing is, as long as you're hydrating during the day and eating good foods, uh, that just, you know, carry that energy, you're fine. And then, uh, obviously when you break your fast, uh, just to be very honest, it doesn't take much to fill you up. Like, and you're good to go. Like, you're really good to go. But it's that preparation. I mean, it's no different than prepping for the season. The same way you're lifting, you're running, you're training, uh, and all the elements. I mean, it's, it's no different for, for us when it comes to fasting. We prep that whole, we, in essence, we prep the whole year for it. So, I, I'm thinking we're like pragmatic worst case scenarios here, Kamal. So you have to excuse me as I'm, I'm kind of walking through these different scenarios. Um, sure. Is it appropriate during you know, the, the certain hours during Ramadan, if you were dehydrated to receive, like, an IV, for instance? 
Is that yeah? Is that, I mean, it's, okay. Oh, sorry. No, is I just want to see if that was okay because it, you know it hydrates you. Maybe you're a little dehydrated or something like that. If you're sick, you eat. Okay. So if you can't fast, there's other things you can do that will count for that fast. Like you feed a poor person, that counts. Uh, yeah. Now this is only if you're not able to fast. So um, there are times many people let sickness and they come over them. They can't fast. That's that's no issue. You know, feed a poor person, or you just make up the day later, like when you when you're able to, even if it's out. Obviously, it has to be outside Ramadan, but you have a whole year to make up those days till the next Ramadan. If you had to miss a day because you weren't able to physically fast that day, and that is common, that happens, and there's nothing wrong with it. So it's a very very flexible religion. Love that. Coach Kamal Ahmad here on ESPN 960, getting caught up on him and getting some perspective, educating us on Ramadan, the fast, and uh, everything that comes with it. We got Fustrero. We got uh, we, we have Ali Khalifa, who are both Muslim and representing BYU, and we have the conference tournament coming up. We have we have the NCAA tournament coming up, and it's exciting times, no doubt. I don't know if you've been able to watch BYU basketball this year, Kamal, but Ali Khalifa and Foose have been stars at different times in the season. Ali Khalifa, in particular this year, has he's such a unique and singular player in how he how he interacts in this offense and how he distributes. It's been really fun to watch. It's been entertaining, to say the least. Yeah, he's from Egypt, correct? Yes, yep. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I remember watching the video on him. Uh, he, yeah, he, he's... he's very talented. I mean, just the. I'm I'm really impressed with the with the scouting department over at BYU. Like they're just they're 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 doing a really impressive job, basketball and football wise. Like really impressive. To find more, I've asked you this question before. I'm going to ask it again because I, I I'm a vocal proponent of this. How can you find more great Muslim athletes that uh, can fit in at BYU? They've been lucky enough to find a few of them. Not only on the football team, but now on the basketball team. How do you find them? I mean, you have for BYU, like or Latter Day Saints. You know, you go to local wards, right? <laughs> you know where they meet. Yeah. Um, you can find them there. There's a lot of athletes within these communities. What's the best way to find yeah. them from a recruiting standpoint? Man, that that is a beautiful question because it, it's not something too many people have really thought about. Because most Muslim athletes, you're just you know competing like any regular athlete yeah. looking at any regular college. But I think the best thing is just for us to get active us muslims especially former athletes who you know just love athletics you know love the college athletics especially division one um i i you know what i'm actually heading to some heavy muslim um areas of some big cities that are highly active in athletics uh Especially African American backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, within the next within the next month, month and a half. So hopefully, I'll be able to tell you a lot more. Um, that is kind of tied to one of the focuses of why I'm going down there. It's not for business purposes, but it's just uh, for youth purposes to develop the you know uh, youth, teenagers, young adults um, within our communities uh, uh, from the academic perspective, athletic perspective, etc. So it's um, I'm hoping I can have a little more to add, add to that within six weeks. But other than that, to be just be very upfront, I, I just look for the names, like on yeah. the top players, the East State. Mm-hmm. Like it's from that standpoint, usually it's pretty easy uh for me. And 
But my recommendation would actually just be, you know, someone who's familiar with the school, uh, someone who believes in what BYU is doing. Uh, and I, I would be glad to do it just as a volunteer, just being very upfront with you, just reaching out to the different yeah. organizations and saying, hey, within within the Islamic organizations and saying, hey, look what BYU is doing. Mm-hmm. Start giving them some publicity within our yeah. newsletters, within our uh, within our circles, and it spreads quick within our communities. I mean, nationwide, I mean, worldwide, to be very upfront with you. I mean, it's uh, stuff like that is a big deal because the yeah. when people treat you right, uh, you don't forget that, and you want to highlight that and appreciate that and support them. And BYU does that. That's one thing, in my humble opinion, BYU does better than anyone in the country. Anyone in the country, the way they treat you. And I, and I shouldn't say BYU. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to LDS people in general. Uh, just in my humble opinion, especially when it comes to Christians in America, there's you can't compare to the LDS. No, no one can. No, no group can, in my opinion. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, obviously, that's that's through experience, and you've been here in Utah for a long time and interacted with the community long enough to speak uh, that truth to us on on these airwaves. Final thing for you, come on. I appreciate you spending time with us once again. I always find our conversation enriching and, and appreciate your time. As far as um, you know, as I as I look at you know, kind of piggybacking off of our conversation, like how to find. The, uh, the the Muslim athlete, but you know, in your opinion, why is it that the Muslim athlete can transition into into the BYU and and ultimately find success athletically at BYU and also spiritually and academically? Why is it that it's a good fit? I mean, obviously, rigorous university from an academic standpoint, uh, one of the top academic universities, I mean, that which we all know. Um, from a culture standpoint, uh, we're a very conservative culture. Uh, we're based on values, uh, traditional values. And when I say tradition, I'm not talking age or anything like that, but, you know, just the traditional values that uh, just regarding like marriage and um, as far as um, trying to get into some trying to think of the best ways to put it. Like we don't drink, you know, don't yeah. believe in drinking, doing drugs, things of that. Yeah, uh, we want to the, protect our kids from that. Yeah, it is, Islam know, has uh, halal, right? It, you know, be, uh, uh, The Latter-day Saints have, you know, their word of wisdom. There's laws of health within there. They have rituals, et cetera, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we want our kids to just live, live clean lives, like our families, our kids. And that's why the to me, it's just ideal for Muslims to be in Utah in general. I mean, that's why so many there. It's an enormous, I mean, 60,000 for a reason. Mm. And uh, if not more by now. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's the values. And a lot of similar core values uh, that that our faiths do share. And um, especially when it comes to, like, uh, family values as well. And, and, and wanting the best for our kids and, and the way we want that. Uh, just... A lot of similarities, and BYU offers the environment. The environment is everything. The environment is everything. I mean, we can raise our kids to the best of our ability, but if they go to a wrong environment, I mean, we know there's a great chance we'll lose them. And what BYU offers is that great, clean environment. I'm not saying everything's perfect. I mean, I don't know a place in the world that is, but 
they it offers a great environment to where if someone comes there, you don't have to really worry about losing your you don't worry about losing your kid. Like you don't have to worry. You don't have, as a I mean I'm a parent. I have two sons, one in high school, one in uh, elementary. I, I know for whatever reason if they went to BYU, I wouldn't have to worry about that. Final thing from me, Kamal. We appreciate you spending time with us as always. How does the Islamic faith view athletics traditionally? Is is it something that is embraced traditionally, or is it something that's kind of new to the culture? High level athletics. No, because I mean, so it, it just depends how you look at it. So most of the Muslim countries are diehard soccer, mm. you know, countries and. The diehard soccer fans and, you know, like Morocco advanced pretty far in the World Cup this past World Cup as a Muslim country, which was pretty neat for us mm-hmm. to see, especially being an African country. So that that, that was neat. Um, but athletics, there's no controversy with anything we do in life as long as we put God first mm-hmm. and foremost first. So as long as we put God first and nothing hinders us from putting God first in our lives, like being able to pray five times a day and having that space to pray five times a day. I mean, many Muslims athletes will run through a brick wall for that coach. I know. I mean, that was me and Coach McBride. Yeah. Um, there was so, I mean, every coach isn't like that. And to let you practice your faith is, is, is pretty neat. But there's no, there's no, uh, there's no like roadblocks or anything like that. Islam teaches you to be the best at whatever you're doing. That's good. And sports, obviously, sports, clean, just fun. And yeah. it impacts. It's fun, but it's, there's more than fun. I mean, obviously, yeah, you know, yeah, a lot yeah. of rides will be scary. And Islam teaches you to be the best at what you do. As long as you put God first. Be the best at what you do as long as you put God first. And I guess the reason why I bring it up is because I do think there is, even though the Latter-day Saint faith and our community love sport, I mean, I've had interactions many times within the faith uh, with people that say things like athletics does not build up the kingdom. It does not glorify the faith. It doesn't glorify Christ. It doesn't glorify God. And so, hey, I, I understand. Like, I, you know, I, I, I kind of want to balance it all out. Obviously, I love sport. I love the, the intersection of faith and sport. But I just think it's an interesting conversation, especially when we're talking about another, uh, you know, these these other traditional faiths that are world religions uh, that that are expansive in 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 population, right? So that's why I want to get your perspective on it, Coach Kamal Ahmad. As always, brother, it's a pleasure to have you on our show. Thanks for hopping on to tell us a little bit more about Ramadan fasting and how these uh, these BYU student athletes are going to be navigating it. Let's do it again soon, brother. If you need anything from me whatsoever, hit me up. I can't wait to get uh, you back here in the state of Utah. Yeah, I appreciate that, and likewise, man. Hey, I, I, I love your show. It's the only show I listen to. I'm just being very upfront with you. Uh, and I love I love BYU, man. They they've been good. They've been good to me. So likewise, anything you guys need from me, please let me know as well. Much love to you, your family, and uh, everything that you're doing out there. Appreciate you, Coach Kamal Ahmad, ladies and gentlemen. We'll go to break. Don't go anywhere. Uh, Nate Mickle on the other side, former BYU great. One of my favorite punt returners all time, and my teammate. We're going to discuss Kansas basketball. What's there to see? What's there to do out there? Currently, Nate's teaching out there. Uh, I think he's got to be on the precipice of tenure, my guy Nate Mickle. Mickle's in dimes. He just caught up, by the way, with 
Andy Reid, Super Bowl champion, former BYU great. He did. Yes, he did. Great podcast, that Mingles and Dimes podcast. Yes, I need to listen to the podcast. I have not listened to it yet. I just saw the quote, but we'll get caught up on Nate Mickles' comings and goings and what he's doing out there at Kansas, what his conversation was like with Andy Reid coming up next. This is Cougar Sports on ESPN 960.